we so easily in, in the Christian faith talk about Jesus died on the cross for us. We've talked about that since we were two. But really sit in that and understand that you needed to be forgiven and you realize how little you deserve. So no, so how dare you judge your spouse on anything they do, whether it's a crisis or not. Then you start going, the more you really understand and sit in that space, you realize it should be easy to give grace to anyone. Hey, welcome to the Resolutions Podcast, where we like to turn difficult topics into helpful conversation. I'm your host, Chris Campbell, along with our co-host, Michael Gum. Hey, everybody. Okay, Michael, so I fancy myself as a decent planner and organizer. I'm I'm not the best, uh, but but I can do it. And uh, everything is perfect as long as nothing goes wrong. Right. Yeah. Like that's the caveat. There's there and and here's the deal. Like the truth of the matter is, there is always something there that I've not thought of. Mm-hmm. The inevitable, you know, of an unforeseen obstacle or obstacles, right? Uh, that pop up while we are working to achieve an uh, you know an objective that we've really carefully planned out is just it's life. It's real. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so I don't know how much of that you encounter on a regular basis. Not regularly, but sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, when it happens, you got to you got to be able to roll with it. Like it was a couple of weeks ago um, at, at church. We're running through our, our, our set and preparing for, for the for the service that day. And power goes out. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so we had to kind of scrap some of what we were doing because a lot of it was reliant on either kind of the the, the full band and the technology that that we use to kind of enhance what we're doing. And some of it, there was a lot of words in the songs that you need to make sure are up on a screen for people to see. Um, so there were a couple of songs that we scrapped. And then honestly, there was one song, uh, cause the power didn't come on. Uh, it didn't come back on, uh, for when we were actually having service. So there was a song that I told the congregation, Hey, get out your phone and Google the lyrics. Oh, of this nice. Song. Nice. Um, <laughs> so, so you gotta be prepared to do stuff like that. Cause if you're all in the same boat, uh, Hey, this is not what is usually happening on Sunday morning. Um, I think people, kind of know to expect something different and they're okay with saying, all right, we'll do whatever we need to, yeah. to, to make sure that this still happens. Yeah. I, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Uh, you know, like when I, when I think over best foreseen plans, you know, and stuff, uh, I think that the unforeseen probably is more consistent in my life, especially when I've dealt with like real estate, you know, mm-hmm. so I've yeah. been in, I've been in four homes uh-huh. that I've, that I've purchased and I can tell you, there's always the unexpected in the sale and purchase of a home. Sure. Like I, I believe real estate agents deserve every penny of their commission oh, you yeah. know, because they of how they have to adapt. And I can, I can also tell you, uh, that all my homes have been fixer uppers. So I make plans and I set a budget on projects and, and get those all sort of, you know, scheduled out. And, you know, you guessed it, uh, there is always the unforeseen obstacles that happen, you know, mm-hmm. even, even in the space we're sitting here now, I, you know, we've recently done some renovations, uh, on this office space and in the middle of it, you know, it's an older building and you're running into all these, you know, 
issues that you didn't anticipate right yeah. before they popped up. So, so why am I venting so much about unforeseen obstacles? Because, uh, there's all, there will always be those times when we experience setbacks, when we are looking to mend a relationship. And that's especially true of broken marriages and, uh, and setbacks, you know, if you're not expecting them, and if you don't have a plan to address them, uh, they can bring, uh, you know, the restoration process to a grinding halt. Yeah. Uh, in our last podcast, we were introduced to Greg and Lisa Landis, the founders and directors of Five Oaks Ministries in Winter Garden, Florida. Greg and Lisa are not only experienced home renovators, uh, but they're marriage experts. Uh, their approach to restoring broken marriages mimics the successful strategies that they've learned over the course of renovating different homes and renovating their own broken marriage. And they've put together uh, amazing marriage seminars where they teach this process step by step. And to the listeners, uh, if you missed the first episode of this two-part podcast, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that episode first. Uh, Greg and Lisa share their story of healing, and they talk us through, you know, surviving, you know, a marriage crisis. And in this episode, during this podcast, we're going to pick back up on a late night conversation that I recorded with Greg and Lisa. Uh, these two were sharing from the heart and talking me through a marriage renovation plan that is rooted in biblical principles and born out of a tested blueprint for home renovation. It was fantastic. And in the podcast, Greg and Lisa talk about the practical approach to designing the dream home of your marriage. Uh, Toward the end, I want our listeners to pay special attention because the discussion turns and they begin to talk about the inevitable unforeseen obstacles, right? The setbacks. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, what do you do when you experience a setback in your marriage recovery? And uh, Michael, I think our listeners will find their insight beyond helpful. And I can't wait to get back into this conversation. So without further delay, here is the remainder of my conversation with Greg and Lisa Landis. If you would mm -hmm. talk about what you, you know, typically interact with people, couples, uh, you know, where you take this idea of, okay, well, let's look at the essentials of a home mm -hmm. and let's look at each of these rooms. What do they represent mm -hmm. and where are the, where are the renovations there? Can you do that for us? Absolutely. You want me to take this a little bit first? Yeah. So Greg, obviously, you know, we, when we, when we take couples or when we do our class, cause we teach this, um, in a class format. Um, and so even if you're in a good space in your marriage, like it's just good to relook at every room and kind of go, maybe I'm just used to this room and I, and it's nothing that's bad. It's not even, everything's still functioning great, but maybe it's a little outdated and I didn't even notice it. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of going through each one. So, you know, obviously we start with the design process, which we've already hit into quite a bit. So I won't go into that, but you know, dreaming, allowing yourself to dream what the perfect house will look like, mm -hmm. because here's the thing. God promises us and wants us to have an amazing marriage. Mm. That's what he wants us to. Yeah. Like he's saying to us, guess what? You can dream that mansion that has every aspect of that mansion exactly the way that you would like it to be. And the personalization and the finishing touches exactly how you want it to be. You know, 
within the boundaries of who God calls us to be because he wants us to enjoy the life and enjoy marriage. That's why he made it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's the design and, and figuring all that out. And then it's the foundation, which Greg has, you know, already spoken quite deeply about. You're dreaming that together, not just, oh, yeah. you know, two separate dreams. No. But right. <laughs> if you can get that dream on the same page. On the same that's page. Um, get on the same page, yeah, for sure. that's a good point. Um, and then the essential rooms in your house are your bathroom, because it has to function. Right. Your kitchen right. and somewhere to rest. Right. Because you don't have to have a living room to to live in a house. You can sit on your bed if you need to. But the the main things that those three represent, um, and I'll and I'll kind of go in the order in which we go. Almost essential of the essentials. The first is the bathroom. And what do you do in the bathroom? Toothfold. You look at yourself in the mirror and you get ready. So you can't be in a marriage if you haven't looked at yourself first. Yeah. So it's that whole concept of what does it mean to look at yourself and to unpack yourself and know yourself well emotionally um, and who you are and what made you who you are and why and, and what you think about life. Then what mask do you put on? You know, men don't put makeup on, but women do. And, you know, you still put on a look. So for men, they might put on a certain confidence when they go to work, even though inside they might not be feeling confident. Mm-hmm. We all put on masks, mm-hmm. right? So what are those masks? And then we talk a lot about the waste that you get rid of. And there's, you know, what is the waste that we all carry? It might be, you know, baggage from our childhood as far as that's causing behaviors in us that are not pretty. Mm-hmm. So getting mm-hmm. all that flashed out, literally. And so we talk a lot about that and addictions and, you know, get that abuse, you know, all of those kind of really nasty stuff that you need to get rid of. And so that's really the bathroom, understanding yourself. Um, And then we move into the kitchen and the kitchen is kind of emotional health. And, and, you know, what do we do in the kitchen? We feed ourselves. So it's feeding your heart, your mind, and your soul. You know, just the soul being your relationship with Christ. How are you feeding your relationship with Christ? Your, you know, your heart and your mind. What really, what are you putting into yourself in your marriage throughout, you know, throughout your marriage? So figuring out what's coming in, you know, who has the influence in your life to do that? Um, and then also communication. So we talk in the kitchen is where you stand and you always chat at the end of the party. Where do you end up in a kitchen? Right. Mm-hmm. And so how are you communicating, you know, basic communication skills? Um, and so we talk about that with the kitchen. The next part we go to is um, your bedroom, right? And especially the master bedroom, especially when we're talking relationships. What happens in your master bedroom? Intimacy and rest, mm-hmm. right? So intimacy, not only physical intimacy, although that's a massive part we talk about, but also emotional intimacy because there are certain things you're going to talk about with your spouse, just the two of you that nobody else is privy to, right? Right. So the, right. And, and that communication needs to look a certain way. Right? That's different communication than the kitchen, the communication. Yes. And so talking about intimacy communication and, and sharing those true intimate things mm-hmm. and then physical, obviously the physical intimacy and then rest. Where do we find our rest? Um, do we get enough rest? Um, emotional rest and are we resting in Christ? And what does that look like? So we talk through that. Those three things, if anything out of those three things are out of whack, your marriage is going to be out of whack. Yeah. And so we talk very deeply into those three rules. Really deeply in the communication process and Mm -hmm. what are the factors of communication, what are the rules of engagement, especially on difficult uh, topics and how to listen, when to speak, you know, and and setting up some of those rules in advance so that when you're in difficult conversations or heated things that could go south, um, you already have rules in place of here's how we're going to navigate that. Here's how we're going to listen and agreeing to those rules just to set yourself up for success. Right. Right. When you engage in those kind of 
topics. Because what you also realize is you forget that there are some couples and maybe even some people, people who are listening, they have never been modeled correct behavior. That's such a good point. So, you know, don't beat yourself up to say, you know, I don't, you know, I don't do this right because maybe you don't know that you're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. If both people came from families where their parents screamed heavily at each other, well, how do they know that it could even look different? Mm -hmm. And so part of what we do is going, this is what God wants it to look like. Do, does yours look like that or doesn't it? And if it doesn't, it's okay because it can be changed. But some people don't even know that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. And so turning people back to scripture and going, let's look at scripture to say, what is it supposed to look like? And then let's measure, you know, if we have change to occur or not change to occur. You're talking about bringing something up to spec. First. To where it can, it can pass an inspection. Right. And then you can personalize it. Right. After Absolutely. That, right. So yeah, that, that just like, oh yeah, the, the connection with that metaphor. Oh, now, for sure. So, so Greg, I'm going to pick on you here for a second. I'll pick, I'll pick on this. We're about to break the bro code. (laughs) But, but typically, not always, but typically when it comes to understanding, you know, how relationships work, how they come together, usually women can run circles around it. They're the better, they're the better renovators with that. Right. And so, you know, it just sort of flows out of them and Lisa, it flows out of you. Mm -hmm. Right. So Greg, what would you say to the guy who's saying, I'm, I'm, this is way too complicated for me already. This Hmm. is, this is something that just does not come natural to me. I, I just, you know, maybe they're feeling a little discouraged because, you know, they, they just are thinking, I just don't get how relationships work. And I think truth be told, that's a lot of us guys. Yeah. You know, it's intimidating, right? Yeah. So what can you... Um, what worked for us was dumbing it down, you know, like, um, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I'm glad you said it. <laughs> exactly, I can say it. Um, I mean, we just, we took it back to kindergarten level, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and this wasn't even a guy, you know, thing, but, but we took the whole process together. We're like, let's go back to kindergarten as our knowledge of how to make a marriage work. And what that meant was go, let's, let's go back to, um, how do we listen? Let's like, let's learn how to be good listeners. And by that, like simply back to rules of engagement. Um, here's the rules. I'm going to talk and you're going to listen. Period. Mm -hmm. There's no, Hey, but there's no, uh, but you do this, that it's tonight. The rules are I'm talking and you're listening. Mm-hmm. Okay, as a guy, we can follow that yeah, rule, yeah. and it's hard because you might want to say something. Um, but keeping it very simple, um, we would go, "Hey, we need to study and learn each other." And we would talk, and we would allow each other to take notes and go, uh, "What makes you feel loved?" Write down five things that make you feel loved. Practical things. Practical things. Uh, I like when you hold my hand. I like when you buy me a Starbucks. I like when you. Texted me at the day saying you're thinking about me. Okay, I can't screw that up as a guy. I, I just, That's I a just list, wrote it right? down. Yeah. There's five yeah. things. Yeah. It's a list. Yeah. Every day I can look at it and go, put it into practice, do it. Okay, maybe it's not something I'm used to. Okay, I got to drive by Starbucks. And, okay, but it's on the list. I can plan that on my way home. Do it. And simple little things that um, you don't overcomplicate it. You, you communicate about it by let one person talk. 
and the other person listen. Take notes, keep the notes simple, and then practice those things each day. Um, simply put them into practice and see where it goes. That's so pretty good. That's, that's what helped. But then it grows on that. You know, that's, that's kindergarten. So then you go to first grade, second grade, and you graduate high school and you get into college, you want to get a master's. Right. So I mean, you can take this deeper and deeper, but if you don't get, but, but just like a second grader can't figure out what a 10th grader is doing, but they can once they've gone to third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. And by the time you're 10th grade, 10th grade is not overwhelming. Okay. So it's the same way here. We start at the beginning by listening allowing each other to take notes, allowing each other to put it into practice, and then reviewing. Right. At the end of the week, hey, how did I do with my list? Yeah. Uh, you sucked. You, you didn't do any of them. I gave you five things to do. You did none of them. Shoot, I failed the test. Let's go again. Um, okay, this week, you did all five things, but um, you, sh- you showed no emotion. I felt nothing from that. Like, you know, um, you handed me the Starbucks, but you didn't say... Here, honey, here you go. Like, okay, this week I'm going to try it all over again with some form of emotion or passion to it. And mm-hmm. it's just a step-by-step thing. So we literally just dumbed it down for each other and said, let's start at square one. Let's learn each other all over and let's make it very simple step-by-step till we can pass that grade and go to the next level. Um, and and then, it wasn't overwhelming. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't become this massive... How do I understand the mind of a woman? How do I oh, put back love that has fallen apart? You know, it's right. no. Today, I got five little notes, and I can follow that. I can do that. Right. This is my this is this is my to do list. Right. You got to get this right. Okay. So, Lisa, I'm going to come back to you now. Okay. Right. And at the risk of me sounding very chauvinistic, <laughs> and if you need to, you know, stand me with a pencil here in a second, I, we can edit that out. But okay, so. I, I picked on I picked on us guys yeah. to say okay we need it we need it sort of in simplistic terms now what would you say to to wives who they're like why why can't he not know this mm-hmm. it's like how does how does he not know how to do simple things and I just feel like he doesn't know me or whatever and I would say that there's maybe some unhealthy influence coming from like the Hallmark Channel, let's say. Okay, you know, or just something like that. These standards that, as guys, I don't know that we could ever, you know, on a kindergarten level anyway, achieve this romanticized idea of how relationships work. So guys need to work at not being utilitarian, but they start there and they work up, right? And then what would you say to women, you know, wives out there that are like, maybe have this lofty, Hallmark idea. I know I'm really busting on the Hallmark. Oh, that's right. But what would you say to them as far as where do you find that common ground to meet? I mean, I just think we're not, you know, people are not mind readers. Women are not mind readers. Yeah. And I, it's so easy for a woman to sit there and say, my husband doesn't know what I need. Do you know what he needs? Have you asked him? Yeah. And so, you know, they often throw that out right. to say, I just need him to know that he should have come home and done this. Okay, well, how is he supposed to know that? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and I think, that, I mean, there is some humility there to kind of say, you know what, here's the deal. Do you or do you not want your marriage to look different? Mm-hmm. Do you or do you not want your husband to love you in the way that you need to be loved? Well, then start talking. <laughs> you know, 
we often will say define, 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 define. Define is like one of my favorite words because we live in a world that we expect people to know the definition of something, but nobody actually tells it, you know? And, um, and then we're surprised that we're disappointed all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? If you didn't, I mean, with my children, I have three children. If, if I didn't say to them, you don't walk in and eat chocolate chip cookies before dinner, and there's a plate of warm chocolate chip cookies in the thing, and they walk in and take on, I am not allowed to be disappointed at them for them eating a chocolate chip cookie because I didn't actually define to them what the rule was. Right. And so, yes, great. I agree. Hallmark and all these things, they do it incorrectly. But I would challenge women to say, okay, you know, you haven't asked your, you know, your husband doesn't know that. Okay, well, have you ever given him, and we literally do tell people to get three by five note cards mm-hmm. and to write five things down there. At first, it feels weird because it feels a little robotic. Yeah. Oh, great, he's bringing me flowers because I told you. Well, are you getting the flowers or you're not getting the flowers? Was that not what the key right. is? Right. You got the flowers. And guess what? Eventually, in two months from now, when he doesn't have that note card, he's still going to get you the flowers. And you're going to go, wow, he thought of me and got me the flowers. And you have to change your mindset from not going, I wish he thought about that on his own. Well, he still had a choice to go and get you the flowers. And he was thinking about you driving to that store. He was thinking about you when he bought the flowers. And he was thinking about you when you walked in. That is a goal accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same manner, guess what? Have a guy write down those five things. Have you asked your husband lately, what are five practical things that you can do for him? You know, he's having a stressful week this week. And he has to work late. Instead of, you know, uh, getting all mad at him for getting home late, what about saying, hey, babe, I really know you have a big project going on. What about I stop by your office and get you a warm meal this week? Because I know you're under stress. So let's take guilt out of the equation. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one of the big things, too, I think we haven't touched on is that I think the most effective weapon Satan has in marriages is guilt. Wow. By far. Yeah. Whether it's, and it's so because it's so subtle. And it's guilt where when you have, if you're in the phase of small children and the husband gets home and he wants to go out with his buddies to the movies. Well, okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess you can go. I mean, I'll just stay at home with the kids a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Guilt. Mm-hmm. Husband comes home and the wife wants to do something. Oh, really? You want to go spend more money on that with your friends? I mean, I'm working my butt off. We don't even have enough money, but okay, that's fine. Go do it. Guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, Packing guilt. Oh, you know, he didn't automatically think about this. Oh, great, he's now a crappy husband. Or she didn't automatically know that I've given her 15 signs that I need sex tonight. And guess what? Mm-hmm. She still hasn't had a guilt. Yeah. Because all that's constantly doing is disappointment, which equals guilt. And, and marriages crumble because you, if you constantly feel guilty, you go, well, what's the point? I'm going to disappoint anyway, right. so why not right. just do what they expect? Right. Let's change that. Yeah. You know, let's encourage each other. Let's actually do these note cards and not only... You know, on a note card, I mean, I might have written, guess what? I'm having a, a difficult week this week. I could really use a girl's night out because I'm an extrovert, right? And so I might have had the busiest day on a Thursday. And Greg's like, I can't believe you want to go out with friends, but I know that that rejuvenates me. And he goes, babe, you deserve it. Like, mm-hmm. go and have fun. And I'm thrilled. And when I get home, guess what he does? He's like, I'm thrilled you had a night out. Like, how was it? Like, I'm yeah. so glad yeah. you had that space. We don't do that anymore. Or- Create that space. Well, create that space. Before they even ask to say, hey, Friday night, I know you've had a busy week. I'm going to take the kids. You go call some girls up and you go out to the movie. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's stepping out. It's not only taking away the guilt, but it's stepping out in front. You know, like then you start, this is, this, we're getting into 10th grade now. We're past Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we're, we're just going into a couple grade, grades here. But, <laughs> but now you're protecting the spouse by going, no, I'm creating these spaces for you. 
so you stay healthy and revived. So you also have pour more energy to pour back in me. But it's a it's a cycle, you know. Like you provide these spaces for each other. Suddenly, my your spouse is like, "Oh, you cleared the night. You're taking the kids, and I can go out to a movie with some friends. Cool." Well, I feel happy now. Guess what? My spouse is probably going to want to do for me yeah. something nice, you know, yeah. like yeah. Um, something nice in return that I enjoy, and I didn't even have to ask for it now because she's like. I'm a pretty cool, cool husband. I want to, yeah. I want to do something special for him. And so, you know, then it, then it shifts from like the to-do list and the removal of guilt to, wow, I, I want to pour into right. you. I want to do right. these things now. And they're coming second nature. Um, but I think, you know, going back to defining and to your point that you even started with when you asked me that is why I think defining is so important, you know, again, being men and women, right? So, you know, I think back to, I remember, um, you know, this was several years ago when our kids were still smaller. And so I was in the house when they weren't at school as much. And, um, and you know, I would, Greg always has worked from home because he's an entrepreneur. So sometimes I'd go down to his office and I would just vent because the kids were just having one of those meltdown kind of days, you know, those days with the early kid, when the kids are little. Yeah. And yeah. he would so often then kind of try and give me points of my parenting or, hey, what, babe, what about have you tried this? Or why don't you just let that go? It's not a big deal. So what if the house is a mess? You know, all these kind of things. And what would that cause an argument, right? Now I'm mad at the kids and I'm mad at him. Right. And he's mad at me because I'm, I'm like... fixing the problem and she didn't want right. to hear the problem. Right. Yeah. And then we sat down one night and, we, yeah. and I said, you know, we just need to define and say there are going to be times where I'm going to come down when I, if I say I'm here to vent, all I need you to do, and we would literally define it to this point, I would say I need to vent... I need you to actually stop looking at your computer, look up at me so that I can vent. Then I need you to stand up from your chair, walk over to me, hug me and say, you're a great mom. That's what I need. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of think, well, that's stupid that you have to tell him. No, it's not because guess what? I When I would go down and I would vent to him, he would stand up, give me a hug and he would mean it. You're a great mom. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, thank you. Mm -hmm. And then he would say on his own accord, hey, I'm going to be done a little early. Would you like to go to Starbucks for a half an hour and just get a break from the kids? Sure. Now, there were other times where I'd come down and say, hey, babe, I really could use some advice here because I'm kind of at my end here with the kids, so you might need to step in for a minute. Right, because." Right. But then I told him what the need was. Right. And we are always, we, we forget that we need to verbalize what our need is. Right. And in the same way with Greg, where he you know, might walk in and say, I've had a crazy day. I literally just need to sit on the couch for 15 minutes and zone. But then I promise you after that 15 minutes, I can step in and help with whatever. And I go, absolutely. We've defined. Here's a space. Here's a time. How can I now encourage you in that? Yeah. But we, we don't define enough. But it's a game changer when you do because she defines when she walks in saying, I'm venting. I, I know what's going on now. You know, yeah, going back yeah. to the other crazy guys, like, what do we know? Like, yeah. oh, you just told me. I can just sit and listen, but I can give you a genuine hug because that sounds rough. And you go on your way. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to fix it, and I know not to fix right. it. You know, and when she needs the help, she asks, and then, okay, okay, I can help yeah. you so I can solve the problem. But So there's yeah. an acronym that comes to mind. And, and again, you know, so much of this goes back to communication. Yeah. Like it really it's does, right? Like, like communication between us and God. Communication, you know, as we align vertically, things start to sort themselves out horizontally, right? Mm-hmm. But the acronym uh, is uh, L U V E, love, right? Mm-hmm. But listen, understand, validate, empathize. Mm-hmm. The kindergarten class is listen, 
right? Mm-hmm. And you're trying to understand. Yeah. So you're taking notes on Absolutely. your spouse, right? That's what you guys are talking yeah. about. Here's the note cards. And as you listen and understand what happens in an, in an increasingly mature way is the validation yeah. and the empathy. Mm-hmm. And when that, when that synergy starts to happen, it's incredible. Then you got something, yeah. right? So maybe this is a good way to, uh, cause I, I, I hope that people are getting excited about, you know, this is a small taste of what you guys do. You're calling your passion five oaks. Um, and I'm going to, we're going to get, give them a, a way to get in touch with you. May I say one more thing? Yes, just please. Just because I, when you said the love to give a little practical thing for anybody to do who's listening, it's a great start practical thing right. other than our cards that we just talked about is if you can visualize a center circle and I, you know, people obviously can't see me drawing it. So right. a center circle in the word marriage and sticking out of it, many, many lines coming from it, right? Okay, With okay. a lot of other circles on each of, at the end of each of those lines. Gotcha. Dream for a second and fill those out. What you would like to feel in your marriage. Oh, wow. So maybe you throw the words love, heard, seen, admired, respected, fill in the blank. Come on, and that can have 15 words. And it's funny because when you're in a, in a bad spot, it's even hard to think of three or four words. Right. The way to think of those words is think about how you don't feel and think of the opposite. Oh, okay. Wow. okay. So if okay. you're going, wow, in the last week, gosh, I felt like he didn't listen to me. Okay. I want to be heard. Wow. You know, so you can wow. very quickly when you're thinking the opposite, if you're in a bad place. That's a great, that's to come a great there. piece of advice. Then you take one of those words. So say, for example, the word love. And then you do several steps. The first step is you define what you think the word means. So maybe it's because you watched your parents love each other a certain way. Maybe it's the Hallmark movies, right? Maybe it's mm-hmm. Oprah. You read a book that she wrote, yeah. whatever you, somehow you came up with your definition of the word love. Yeah. Write that down. Then spend time researching what scripture says about the word love, yeah. because every one of those words are in scripture. Look up every verse, write it down. See if those two things are aligned, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. figure out where they're not aligned and where you have changed your mindset. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's step number two. Third step is how does it then become practical? What are practical things that you need to feel loved? You know, now right. make sure you're not doing it based on your Hallmark movie. Yeah. Make sure you're basing it on what God calls. Right. Um, and you go, but there are practical ways and be super specific. I mean, literally like to the point where Greg said, and he brought up the Starbucks thing because that was on one of my first cards. I was like, I would like a grande hot chocolate from Starbucks. Yeah. Right. You cannot, if, if, you know, and I laugh with people that I sit with because then they'll say, I want a Starbucks. And I'll be like, what do you want from Starbucks? <laughs> and they go, a <laughs> yes. coffee. And I'll say, what size? Yeah. Because yeah. you know what? If, if you say coffee and he comes it's home with a, hot. right. If they come yeah. home with a, with a, a tool and you go like, I needed a venti today. He this knows I like venti. Yeah. You're still disappointed. There needs to be no more questions you can ask. Like, so keep asking yourself questions if there's anything more you can define. Right. And then you give those practical things to your spouse. Mm-hmm. And so you do this exercise by yourself. Then the crazy thing is when the, your spouse has done the exercise and you come and you go, oh, no wonder. Our definitions of love were off. So I was loving you this way. You were loving me this way because that's who you thought love was. Neither of us were doing God's definition. This is actually the practical. Now we can get in alignment. Right. And you do that with every word. And your marriage will look completely different. Right. So just a practical. That's so good. That's so good. All right. Let's do this. What happens when there's a setback? You sort of, as horrible as it sounds to say, you have to some degree expect that. Whether it's crisis or addictions, people try hard, but 
you know, there, there can be triggers and we take steps back. So it's, it's more, what are your plans in place to prevent that to begin with? And then setting yourself up for if it does, what, what are our steps of actions there? I mean, one is accountability, um, is a good one for whoever, you know, to, to have in place. Are there people in your lives that are speaking truth into you that know what's going on, that know, you know, that you can vent on the hard stuff and be real with them. And when you do vent, they're not going to think poorly about your spouse that you're needing to vent with, but they can just hear what is hard for you Mm -hmm. and let you verbalize that and then guide you back to some truth again. So I think it's important to find, so if there is a setback, first of all, the other spouse knows um, they have a team of people pulling them back out of the quicksand. You know, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. fell back in. You're not alone and going to drown again. You've right, got right. three people there. You're like, uh-uh, we're pulling you back out, my friend. That's and good. That's good. have guys and save, you know, saving your life there a little bit. Um, and the, the spouse, again, kind of going what Lisa was saying in trust. It's not just in that person. It's who's Christ in them. Well, do you have trust in the whole process of the team? So if there is a setback, okay, that is hard. That will take there'll be some trauma from that. Mm-hmm. But can the spouse go, but I trust the people in their lives and in their place to help them walk through. I trust again, Christ in them. And if that's not evident, you know, that makes it more challenging. But again, who are the people in their lives to help walk? Reality is setbacks hurt. I mean, Are real. they're hard. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, they, they can rock your world. Um, but then I think it's going back to what Lisa always says, defining everything. Mm-hmm. Um, going, why did this setback happen in the first place? Let's define that. What, what was the reason for that? Where are we coming from? Oh, mm, this was falling apart here. Right. And, and it'll, it'll reveal some other things, but. Like um, your unforeseen obstacles. Yes, totally. exactly. Totally like unforeseen obstacles. Um, and so it's defining that. And then, boy, it is about grace. I mean, then it's finding grace going, uh, Christ died for me on a cross. When I was still a sinner, he died for me. Um, that's grace. And if Christ did that for me, can I do that for another human being and uh, give them the same kind of grace? And that it's hard to give as humans, but man, there's so much freedom and healing in that when we have the courage to show grace to somebody, whether it's a setback or not, and go, okay, buddy, this made things a little harder, but okay, let's figure this out. Let's define it, and there's some grace, and then I think that enters the door for forgiveness. I think that's, I don't think there's any healing in any of this without forgiveness, Mm. because we both had to take that journey of forgiveness. It was my, I dropped the bomb on her. I jumped off the cliff and blew things up. Um, So, the burden of proof and responsibility was on me to go, all right, buddy, step up, you know, to get to a place of forgiveness. There's a lot of work to get there that she could forgive me. But if we're going to heal our marriage and even our walk to the cliff together up to the affair, there was a day where it turned and she sat on the side of the table and said, I need forgiveness for how we walked to this thing. And I had to sit there and forgive her for, um, the hurt that I had in our marriage yeah, and yeah. the things that build up in me to get us to the edge of that cliff. And at the end of the day, 
we both had to forgive each other and start fresh. And that's hard. That, that breaks you in half. But the freedom when that happens for what God can do, but on a human level, when you forgive somebody and say, it's done, yeah. like it's all gone. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. And sure, we may have memories of it. It happened. There's scars. Like there's, there may be some scars. We're in battle, but it's done. And, and truly to forgive somebody where it's never something I will ever hang over your head again. I will never bring up as a defense for an argument in the future. Like it's done. And that's life changing. And that's where healing starts. And that's where new things get breathed in. Mm-hmm. But I think one aspect of forgiveness that that you didn't touch on here was the final step. And that's forgiving yourself. Mm. Because I think again, going back to guilt, Satan's going to be super effective with everything, even the good things you try. So you've forgiven, you've asked for forgiveness with God. You've asked for forgiveness with your spouse. The last step is you forgive yourself. And, you know, and I think when we sit, truly sit, I mean, I think we so easily in in the Christian faith talk about Jesus died on the cross for us. We've talked about that since we were two, you know, Mm. but really sit in that. And understand that you needed to be forgiven and that he took that all and, and away. Like when you really sit in that space, it's, it's incredibly overwhelming. Yeah. And you realize how little you deserve. So note, so how dare you judge your spouse on anything they do, whether it's a crisis or not, when you can sit there and go, Christ had to forgive me because I am a sinner every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 then you start going, the more you really understand and sit in that space, you realize it should be easy to give grace to anyone. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I remember in Daniel, um, one of the verses that's often not talked about is, you know, everybody knows the story of uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego going through the fire. And, mm-hmm. you know, everybody sure. knows the story, right? And how hot it was and the guy, you know, melting at the beginning, whatever, right? But at the very end when they come out and they say they made it, there is a verse that talks about, and then there is no scent left on them. Oh, wow. And yeah. you think about that for a second. You can stand at a campfire for five seconds yeah. and it's in your hair and your clothing right, right. and everything. Right. And you go, and that's what your marriage is then supposed to look at like when you rebuild and you rebuild it with Christ rebuilding your marriage and Christ rebuilding each of you. You can look back at it and I can sit here today, 12 years later and say, there is not a cent of that. What happened to us left on us. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And, and if there isn't, then why would you bring it up again? Why would you hold it over the other person's mm-hmm. head? Because it is literally non-existent anymore. And that is an actually an incredible thing because it's sent from any kind of fire lingers. Right. And Christ walks in and says, no, there's no scent left. Right. It's like you weren't even in the fire. Right. And that's what it means to carry us through if we allow him to remold mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And so that's ultimate forgiveness. That's, good. that's really good. So we've been talking today with Greg and Lisa Landis, founders and directors of Five Oaks Ministries. Um, if there's somebody listening that wants to know more about your resources, wants to know more about the ministry, maybe it's a church, an organization that even wants to get in touch to bring you in to do a conference, a seminar, mm-hmm. what's a good way for them to, to get in touch and to find those resources? I would probably say if they go to our website, um, fiveoaksministries.com, um, all of our information is on there. We have email addresses on there. Um, you know, uh, there's ways to 
to just email us. We'd love to hear from you. Email us. We will get back to you. Um, that's probably the easiest way to get to reach us is probably through the website. Um, you know, um, they're welcome to contact you. You're welcome to forward the information to us as well. You, you obviously know us personally, so um, feel free to, to do it. But that's probably the, the simplest way. We'll put the link on the Resolutions Counseling uh, website as well and make that really easy access. So, Greg, Lisa, thank you so much. Oh, you're so uh, welcome. For sharing your story, sharing your wisdom. Uh, I am. I know I've been encouraged. I'm sure that our listeners uh, have been too. And, uh, boy, the Lord bless you with uh, the ministry. that We've only touched one aspect of it, right? <laughs> uh, you know, but I'm sure there are, are great days ahead of healing others just from your testimony and, and your story. So... Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks. Anyone listening, you can do this. Very good. (laughs) All right. So, wow. Uh, We could have just went on and on. As a matter of fact, that conversation kept going, you know, throughout the night. But, uh, you know, Michael, as you as you know, we had a lot of good insight in the original recording, and and we've purposely trimmed it down to these two segments. You know, from the previous podcast, this podcast, and uh, you know, Greg and Lisa, they just have incredible insight, and I loved it. You know, particularly when when Greg stated, you know, with such authority. Well, we need to go back to kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh-huh. And then, you know, when he, when he said that, uh, you know, I just sort of felt like, okay, he's talking to me guy to guy here, right? Uh-huh. But everybody else is listening in on it. But yeah. you know, what, did that strike you as well? Well, sure. Just because I think that there's wisdom in keeping things simple. I I, I find value in simplicity in a lot of things, and you know, really, it's. Um, you can't you can't really overthink it because it's something that it just and when when you're in those situations where uh, where a marriage needs renovation uh it's it's not for lack of insight it's just you need to to get down into the nitty-gritty and just be willing to do simple things but do them over and over with intention yeah and you know that's really it doesn't require a lot of deep thought and insight it's just being open in communication and being willing to just take things a thing, a, you know, a day at a time. Right. That's not very romantic, right? That, not not <laughs> at the uh, at the outset of it. No. Right. I mean that that's that's not the the script you know that we talked about in the last episode. Right, yeah. That's that's not that's not a hallmark card, let alone a hallmark movie. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Whereas in those movies, there's usually one single romantic gesture that, that is underscored by dramatic music that, that fixes all the problems, but uh, it doesn't really look that way in a real marriage because it's these little moments along the way. And it's a lot of intention and work that uh, can be in this movie summed up by one grand gesture. Right. And, and it's, and I love the idea of going back to kindergarten because that is breaking it down in the most simplistic form that you can, you sure. know, and, and if you, if you think about some of the notes that you began to write as kids, you know, each <laughs> other, uh, some of that is pretty simplistic and sure, pretty, yeah. pretty straightforward, right? So I loved it when, uh, you know, they said, uh, you know, here's the first point of kindergarten. Uh, I'm going to talk and you're going to listen. Yeah. Right. Simple enough. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then there, you know, um, and I use this all the time with, with counseling as well. You know, it's like, I want you to take a three by five card 
And I want you to list out what do you want from this other person mm-hmm. to feel loved? Yeah. You know, what does this person need to do to let you know they're thinking about you? You know, and uh, and Lisa is hardcore with that, mm-hmm. right? You know, because it wasn't enough of you know I want I want a Starbucks. Yeah. No, she wants a specific drink from Starbucks. Yeah, right? you need She's vanilla. Like, you need it to be venti. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I'm just thinking of Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec. Yes, I like it in the glass. I'd like the glass to be cold. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, but but the more we spell it out in the beginning, it takes the guesswork out of it. And once you start to do it to execute it, you know, you move on to first grade. Yeah, you move on to second grade. Before you know it, you're in middle school, and then maybe it looks a little more like you know a Hallmark episode, or it reads a little more <laughs> uh-huh. like a like a Hallmark card, right? Well, certainly it's not a bad thing at all to have those grand gestures along the way, but it's just one piece of it, just one piece of it, and and I think that uh, you know that's that's the it's the it's the old advice, like okay, um, you know Jesus, you know he says when you're when you're getting ready to really throw yourself into something consider the cost, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you, you not only take, you know, note and inventory of the big picture, but what are the little sequential steps along the way that require you to focus and to, and to give yourself sacrificially mm-hmm. to it, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's how those bigger projects come together. Uh, you know, one thing that I would like to point out, you know, to the listeners here is I hear a lot of couples talk about a lack of compatibility in their marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, first of all, Compatibility is super important. Yeah. Right. But uh, I think compatibility, and the way most people understand it, is a bit of a myth because people are continually changing. Right. And if your mm-hmm. compatibility standard is based on where you first met each other in a relationship and you're not paying attention to how the other person is evolving as a person, growing, how you're growing and evolving as a person, you know, uh, Compatibility is something that needs to be adaptable. So the idea is if, if I'm connecting with my spouse in intentional ways, if I am, you know, part of, part of that is going to be an enhanced understanding, that gives you the opportunity to work on compatibility and you're moving away from the cliff mm-hmm. and not toward the cliff. Yeah, right? again, it's just intentionality. Yeah. So with that said... Uh, you know, I need uh, one thing that I had to go through with my graduate work, especially in marriage counseling, is they took us through this empirical way to predict, uh, you know, the success of marriages based on compatibility at the onset of the relationship, mm-hmm. right? And here's what I can tell you: uh, Greg and Lisa test really low in compatibility, huh. according to what I learned from the clinical psychology uh-huh. point of it. Right? They're both very strong. You know, uh, strong-willed people, very goal-oriented. They both exude, you know, a type of leadership that's let's take the bull by the horns, mm-hmm. let's get her done, you know, <laughs> and and that can make for a lot of clumsiness uh-huh. in a relationship, you know, a yeah. lot of a lot of awkwardness. But what I hope our listeners picked up on, you know, and and my conversation with them and in in their interaction is the way they freely yield to one another. Mm. Yeah. Like they just they just really paused. They were sensitive. They got out of each other's way. And it was really very, very respectful. I didn't hear them trying to speak over each other, Mm-mm. you know. And uh and when I think about that, um, you know, I think um you know what I'm reminded of is one of the most overlooked verses that appears in the Bible. 
just prior to a passage that a lot of people like to grab when it's talking about uh, biblical roles of a husband, biblical roles of a wife. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of a lot of things in this chapter in the book of Ephesians where it's about love and respect. Mm-hmm. Men, you need to love your wife as Christ loves the church. If not, you're failing. Women, you need to respect your husband. You need to respect, you know. But prior to getting in all of that, you know how how the the different uh, genders, the husband and wife, interact with each other. It all starts off with this verse that says, "Submit to one another, yeah. out of reverence for Christ." Yeah, one another, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, and I really hope that um, you know that the listeners picked up on that with Greg and Lisa. Mm-hmm. That was not the case when they were walking toward the cliff years ago. Yeah. You know, but that sure. is the case today. And that's a testimony, you know, of what they've done intentionality wise. We're going to put the resource up uh, for Greg and Lisa, their ministry. Uh, if you contact them through the Five Oaks ministry, uh, they've got plenty of great resources that they can hook you up with. Uh, they're in the process of developing a book and curriculum. You can go to one of their marriage seminars. It's awesome. You can also walk into any Barnes and Noble. You can you can you know do a search on Amazon. You can go to Christian book distributors, you know, and you can find a wealth of marriage self help resources. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's it's a question of do you want it? Yeah. Right. But here's here's what I think I would like to end with today. You know, for for this podcast, uh, and this comes out of uh, the Bible. It's a verse, uh, the beginning lyrics to a song that's found in the book of Psalms, Psalm 127. You know, we think of David as writing. If you're familiar with the Bible, uh, David was a superb artist, a shepherd king warrior, but he was an incredible artist, could pen a song like nobody else. Uh, But this song actually is written by his son, Solomon. Hmm. And Solomon was a guy, if you know his story, uh, very wise, simple beginnings but uh, his appetites turned into, uh, in many ways, an appetite for destruction. Yeah. And towards the latter part of his life, he had accumulated, uh, you know, a lot of learning through failure. Mm-hmm. And that's especially true with relationships. I, I won't, I won't go into the detail, but the dude had a lot of experiences with relationships, marriages, yes. and so forth. Right. Here's what he says. Uh, Psalm 127, he says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. Hmm. And I think what I'd like to just encourage our listeners to do is, you know, if you're looking at renovating, revitalizing your marriage relationship, if you're looking at starting over, if you're looking at creating something that's new and fresh and you're going to put together a blueprint for your dream home in the form of a marriage, don't leave God out of it. Mm. You know, um, As a matter of fact, it begins with God being in the center of it. I'd encourage listeners, you know, if you had a Christian wedding, go back and look at those wedding vows. Listen. You know, you've, you've probably got video footage of your wedding. So listen. To the promises, the vows that you made each other, you know, before before God, uh, before the witnesses that were there, listen to the prayers that were prayed over you, you know, especially by that officiant, you know, the minister who was officiating the marriage, um, you know, and think about, you know, what have we come together here to create? 
and is God truly in the middle of it? Um, you're smirking at me. I I I, I did the uh, the wedding <laughs> for yeah. for Michael and Melissa, right? Yeah. So he's just sitting across from me saying, "Listen to me. Uh, yes. Listen to the things that I told you ten years ago." Yeah. So so please go ahead if you want to. We can edit it out, but please tell them what you did to me in a very sacred <laughs> moment. And I'm trying to hold it together. We've got just a couple minutes here before. Oh uh, yeah. I, w- I wasn't even thinking about this, but yeah. Um, so. My wife and I were big fans of The Office, and it was an idea that we had just <laughs> on our wedding day um, that uh, Chris, you know Chris was uh, a fan of the show too, and uh, he <laughs> he would know the reference. But uh, any Office fans will know that um, Jim once told Pam that if Dwight ever tells you to accept, asks you if you accept something secret, you say absolutely I do. So comes time for, for Chris to ha- have us do the vows. And by the way, I'm having a moment because these are two people that I love so much. And it's a privilege for me to be mm-hmm. a part of this, of this sacred marriage that's yes, taking and place. And you, fa- you, you famously don't do that many weddings. So, yeah, so yeah. it's very meaningful to you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, <laughs> gets to the point where you, you ask for, for the I do and we respond, absolutely <laughs> I do. <laughs> And I, you know, Which was, I think makes us huge dorks because it's just we we worked an office reference into our wedding, but uh, it's it's a sneaky one that people would maybe not know that it's an office reference if they're not in the know. But, but that's a token moment between you and Melissa, yeah, as you were coming together as husband and wife. And what I'm going to encourage listeners to do is to go back to that time of courtship, mm-hmm. look for those token moments. Uh, you know, if if you're if you're a Christian by faith. Then anchor, anchor, you know, your foundation, you know, if I can, if I can, you know, use those two, two terms together, you know, to the fact that when you started off, you started off inviting the Lord in the middle of that covenant relationship, that covenant promise of oneness. If you're a listener here today, you know, and maybe you didn't start off in a Christian marriage. That's okay. You can you can have a Christian marriage, you know, and and we are big advocates of that. And yes, there are marriages that work and uh, and and that you know tend to be successful even without Christ. But here's what here's what I would guarantee you: um, you will never step into the best version of what God has for you until you are ready to move into a process where your Creator, who designed you individually, now has this master plan of sinking the two of you together. You know, Jesus said, for those who God has joined together, let no one else pull them apart. That's right. Right? And that's, that's. I think that's where I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to leave it today. You know, I mean, like there are plenty of self-help things out there. We can put you in touch with great, uh, you know, marriage resources. But, uh, you know, from, from the words of, of Solomon himself, who, who knew what it was like to succeed, knew what it was like to fail in relationships, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. So before we sign off today, we're going to leave you with a preview for our next episode uh, that involves an interview with Kay Duffield. She is the executive director of the Northern Virginia Human Trafficking Initiative. And our next episode, we are going to delve into the world of human trafficking and modern day activism. Here's an excerpt from that interview. Justice to me is receiving everything that Jesus died to give you. If we're 
working with a survivor of human trafficking or it's a buyer that we have standing in front of us, we know that Jesus, we have faith that Jesus died and was died, buried, and resurrected to set them free so that they could be a new creation in Him and really live out their true identity. So you'll be sure to want to catch that interview next time. Again, if you have not subscribed, why not? <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> You'll get it delivered right to your virtual doorstep, and you won't have to worry about remembering to catch what's going to be, I believe, a very poignant interview next time. Yeah. So until next time, I am Chris Campbell. I'm Michael Gum, And we'll catch you here again on the Resolutions Podcast. <laughs>